0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's pre Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkainen and Dennis Sick. He is back with us here. We'll bring him on in just a second. Real quickly, what's on our radar today? You know what's on our radar. We're going to talk about the market, how to approach it heading into this week. A couple individual headlines, but it's really going to be a coronavirus-dominated uh, show. Uh, we'll get Dennis' thoughts on last week and, and uh, going forward here. Our guest you asked for, her, we got her. Anne Marie Band. She is a trader, she's a uh, author, she's also the CEO of the She would join us here at 8:15 in just a few moments here. Uh, Joel, what's the word here in the overnight session? Oh,
2: big all range. This might be the biggest overnight range we've ever had. Uh, open lower, much lower. Uh, we opened at 2900, nice round number like that. We did the old 10 point dip. Nowhere near Friday's low, that's a good sign. And then we ripped 121 handles, pre-market high 30.21. I do have a weekly level, folks. We're only going to talk about weekly and monthly levels, because who can talk about daily levels in this environment? That's 30.40 on the upside. I'd be real happy if we cleared that. Uh, Today or this week, crude getting a rebound up 73 cents at 46.49. Gold bouncing back down, uh, was killed last on Friday, up 3380 at 1600.50. <laughs> Silver trying to get off the mat too, up 32.3 cents at 16.78. And Bitcoin, not the sit, flight to quality people wanted it to be, but that's trading up $140 at 8840 Spencer, can we have a drum roll, please? Welcome back, Triple D what's going on not much how you doing man i'm doing good i'm doing good yeah yeah how uh how was the vacation
1: it was interesting anyway so oh yeah i gotta take my mask off here i'm okay now (laughs) oh oh, oh, you sound better okay good (laughs) yeah yeah so i was just kidding with you guys just kidding i haven't wore the mask i have not wore the mask but i do have them 3m Like 3M, I do have them, but no, I haven't worn it, so I don't think we're out of that. I don't think we're there yet that I need to wear the mask on the radio show, so I'll take it off for the radio show. <laughs> it was good, so you know what, though? That has got to be the most expensive vacation I've ever taken in my life.
2: Oh, my God.
1: I, was- <laughs> I missed the best week of trading in a decade. What's up? Wow. Wow. I thought it could get ugly, and I actually was... Prepared, obviously. You know, we had talked about this for a while. So I had my spy puts, and okay. So back up, back up. So we've had this vacation book. We went to Jamaica. Me and my wife, kids, friends of the family, their kids had this vacation book for the last three months. The, everybody is pumped for it. I thought about canceling this vacation nonstop for the last week and a half, like just bailing on it. But I was like, everybody wants to go. I don't want to be the person. When I left last Friday, the markets were literally 2% off the all-time highs. So I'm like, you know what? I'm scared, but I think we're ahead of it. I think, you know, we I did say before I went away, I said, I think this could be an ugly week for the markets, but I'm not going to cancel my vacation because of, you know, a potential opportunity cost. Anyways, it turns out I obviously should have, should have maybe canceled the vacation because the market rolls over 3,000 points when I'm away. So lot of opportunity cost on that uh vacation there but regardless um i had a good time the kids had a great time we enjoyed ourselves the resort was uh fairly empty to be honest with you it was about they said it holds 1500 and we were at 900 people so it wasn't too full um it was a beautiful resort kids swam every day i was in the lazy river relaxing while the markets were falling thousands of points so it was very 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 uh interesting to uh Take a week off, but I was checking constantly. I couldn't stop myself from
2: checking. Yeah, we also. I think I've fa- I've known you for several years. I think we Facetime like every once in a while to see the kids. I think we Facetime like I don't know six or seven times last week. My yeah. phone, my phone kept on dying. Um, my suggestion. The internet
1: wasn't good in Jamaica. Internet- I tried to trade actually a couple days, and it was not good. Uh- so, I tried.
2: To, I told you to because uh, you had insurance, but your friends didn't have insurance. I told you one of the last things I said to you was, "Pay your friend for the friends for your trip," because <laughs> you had the insurance. But I, I
1: I bought the travel insurance. The reason I bought the travel insurance three months ago was not coronavirus. Kids. It wasn't on the radar. It's because Spencer has asthma and he gets sick half the time. So. Um, I just bought it just because maybe the kids are end up sick and we can't go. So we did have travel insurance. We would have just got vouchers though. So you would have got one year. Uh, you have to go and take a trip basically within the next year. So, and I was looking and analyzing and I'm like, oh, I don't know if three, four months from now, we're going to be in better shape to take this trip. I really thought like, I, t- I talked to it with my wife. My wife was okay if I canceled it. Uh, but I really, you know, didn't want to, you know, be the person to spoil everybody's fun. And I th- I thought you know, we were kind of ahead of it. I didn't see an epic collapse of 3,000 points. I thought the markets were going to have a bad week. I actually said it to uh, my, my one buddy before I left. I said, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a 1,000 point down day next week just because this is how it works for me. Not I too. didn't think we'd see like two or three of them though. So obviously opportunity costs, you know, for me as a trader and efficiency trader, those are my best weeks. So I'm sure I would have had a very good week. So what I did before I went away, was I sold more ETFs on the Friday, which was good. There was a Canadian ETF. The Canadian ETF was 0.5% off its all-time high. I'm like, you know what? I'm spooked. I'm going to sell some more. Sold some more of that. I kept my spy puts. I shorted UAL. I bought Lake, and I went on vacation. The UAL short, I shorted at 79 and change. I covered that on the Wednesday or Thursday at 63 bucks. And the lake long, I am sold part of it. I've actually sold some of it even here this morning. So I'm almost out of it now. Uh, but that was a good one too. I bought that at 12. We know I bought that. Uh, I bought that before I went away about a week and a half ago. You can see when the stock was trading. I'd probably go back to February 18th, right in there around 12, 1250. And I sold some of it at 19. I sold more this morning at 23. So I'm, I'm almost out of that there now. But that was a good one too. And the spy puts, I haven't covered any. So I'm fully in still on my SPY hedge, although I'm kind of itchy a little bit. So the SPY puts that I bought for 10 bucks at 333 puts are now, well, they're $38.55 at the close. So they'd be, with today's trading, probably worth $41, $42. So you're talking a pretty good move there. That was my portfolio hedge though. So I'm holding on to that for now. So we're going to get Anne-Marie on at 815 I'm trying to get the feel back for the
2: markets yeah, that, that's a little bit of time. Yeah, Let's I, talk markets. Yeah. Now, I briefed you uh, last night because I left the office at like 10 to 4 on Friday, kind of got beat up. I was trying to buy, trying to buy, and I just like I threw in the towel. And I just said, I'm going home. I'm beating the traffic. And I get a text from one of my buddies, and he's like, Wow, what a rally. And I'm like, what what are you talking And then I looked on my phone. Twenty now. Actually, my phone broke this weekend. So you're talking and, about the uh,
1: last hour
2: of four like, thirty like, or five o'clock. You know, I'm thinking twenty-nine thirty, twenty-nine forty. You know, it goes, No, we just hit twenty-nine seventy. I'm like, what? And then they jacked it up another thirty-three handles and that four feet at four thirty to five area. So I'm like, Man, that's not good. I mean, that, that's not the kind of rally I want to see. The kind of rally I want to I see some basing. I want to see, you know, is this a V bottom? I guess that's the question of the day. Are we going to have a V bottom? We've and- seen
1: those lately. So there is a consideration here. And I know there's a lot of people in my Twitter stream that are calling the bottom and quick to call the bottom here. I'm not there yet. Um, and I'm not even probably close to being called. So we're, we'll, we'll get my commentary really after Anne Marie. I'll, I'll really sure. get into the markets here. But I'll just say we have seen V bottoms here in the past. We saw it back in 28 at the, at the end of 2018 when the market sold off significantly. It never really gave you a second chance to buy the low. You had the low. If you go back to the charts and show this right now, Spencer, you had the low back. And I'm going to, you know, that te- the tech wreck back in December of 2018. When we went from, you know, two. We can look at spy 280 down to 233. And then the next day was the Apple. The first day of January was the Apple. Um, warning. And then we were straight up ever since. So we did, you know, uh, we did have a V bottom back then. We could potentially do that again. It seems like this market likes to do that. I think we're too early to call that though. I really think we're too early to call that. I mean, this market has a lot of unknowns here yet. And I I have the most cash in my long-term portfolio that I've had since the financial crisis. And also obviously I have puts as well. So I have some portfolio insurance too. So I was very impressed with the way my portfolio held up, probably because I have so much cash that it did really, really well. I was surprised last week, though, because I do have a large silver position. I was surprised how hard they hit gold and silver. That was somewhat concerning that they were just hitting everything on Friday. So even if you look at the utilities, I mean, you think about TLT ripping higher here. Usually the utilities move with that. But at a certain point, and I actually tweeted this out to one of my followers, I forget who it was, they were asking about some stocks and some defensive stocks. And I'm like, at a certain point when the selling gets extreme enough, a stock becomes a stock and they just start raising cash and selling stuff across the board. And that's really what we saw. I mean, the XLU got murdered last week. And you would not think that with the correlation, you know, with the TLT, because typically it's positively correlated to the TLT. Not the case. Stock is a stock when you start getting into, you know, people are really starting to worry and raise cash. So utilities got murdered there, too. So it's, it was really not a lot of safe, besides bonds. Bonds, obviously, because the TLT yeah. was higher. But if you're looking at stocks themselves, there wasn't a lot of safe places to be.
2: Before we get to Anne Marie, real quickly, and um, I gave you that number on the upside of that 3040 with them, which uh, will be, you know, a good resistance, or at least we're out of the woods level. Um, on the downside, and I did talk about this with one buddy tongue in cheek uh, on Friday morning. Um, we talked about 2850 area. And that have you know, I do the weekly numbers, I also do quarterly numbers. Our quarterly low. From last October uh, was twenty eight fifty five we got to 20 and this is basis the front month contract, and we got to twenty eight fifty three seventy five so that that's was your huge low. yeah, there you go there you go and I you know so there it is so that's uh, a wide range folks twenty eight you know i don 't want to see us pierce that low on the downside uh, if it gets down there again today, which I kind of like feel like it doesn't. I would definitely, I would be aggressive, either trying to cover or, or uh, try and cover shorts or nibble and on the. And market. that's the one
1: thing too. If you are short this market, you know, and that's what I think you saw a little bit at the three o'clock when they started ripping it. There was people who were short this market, and then they're starting like, okay, I'm scrambling to cover. Like I said, I was short UAL coming into the week when I went on vacation. I went short UAL, and I, you know, after three, four days, you start thinking, okay, the stock was seventy nine and change. My short it Friday. And, you know, the thing's trading at 63. I'm like, okay, well, four days later, they just knocked 20, you know, 20 plus percent off the market cap of this thing. Uh, Maybe it's time to actually cover the short. So I didn't go long, uh, but I did cover the short. And it's actually drifted lower since then too. And I mean, if you look, UAL still trading down. If you think about the stocks, you probably don't want to own. is anything to do with travel, anything to do with, you know, and, and leisure. Like you think about, you know, Uh, the the carnival cruise lines and and the rcls i mean these things are ground zero for this i mean they just got murdered last week like to the tune that we haven't seen a long time And some people are coming and saying how can you go wrong buying carnival at 33 dollars i'll tell you how you can go wrong because even if this thing you know we get rid of this virus and people start going on cruises again think about the lawsuits that are going to be here there's going to be some class action suits coming against carnival cruise lines here for the way they handled the diamond princess there's people that are dead I mean, this is not just going to go away. There's obviously going to be more people that are potentially going to die because there's a lot in serious or critical condition. There's going to be some major suits, and it could be into the tunes of billions of dollars in lawsuits. You think about what PCG, um, you know, when they got sued, and I don't know if it's that much, but I could see hundreds of millions or a potential billion-dollar lawsuit against them because a lot of people are challenging the way they handled that. Everybody had to stay on the ship. Maybe people got sicker because they didn't, couldn't get off the ship, You know, in hindsight, it's 2020, but... uh, there's uh, skeptics that are saying they should have been taken off the ship and they should have been quarantined on shore and not to still breathing the same cabin air as everybody else. So I would think there's going to be some major lawsuits coming. You think about everybody sues somebody for everything in this world. I would think this is a no-brainer that there's going to be a major class action suit at the end of this against Carnival Cruise Lines. And, you know, potentially we don't know how many other cruises could get affected like this as well. I know when I was in Jamaica, there was actually a smaller cruise line that was not allowed to port in Jamaica because a couple of the crew members were sick. It was supposed to port in uh, Ocho Rios, I believe, and they turned it away and wouldn't let it port. So there is definitely some issues there for cruise lines. The airlines are a different story here yet, but if you think people are going to get nervous and this is going to continue to spread, probably people are going to be more hesitant to go on planes eventually. So lots to consider. Let's bring Anne Marie on. She's still traveling.
2: She went to Florida. She's not afraid. She's traveling. I went
1: to Jamaica. I'm not afraid either, but I kind of was a bit.
3: (laughs) Anne Marie, how are
2: you? Anne Marie Band is here. Anne Marie, good morning.
3: Good morning, everyone. How are you? We're good. I you went to Florida. When when were you in Florida? Um, we have a home down here on the West yeah. Coast. And so we came down about I think it was Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Yeah, and you're Thursday. back now? Oh no, we're still down oh, here you're down I'm heading back us, so. today. Yeah. Okay. I'm heading back today. But, but yeah, you're not I, scared
1: to get on an airplane at this time.
3: Um, no, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say I'm really. I'm not afraid of coronavirus, and so because okay. it is, it is a it is a dreadful flu. That is mm-hmm. absolutely sure. But uh, I'm a healthy mid fifties, and yep. uh, it puts me in a very low risk rate. And I'm making sure that I'm not shaking hands, and uh, you know, very careful about what I touch. That's exactly right.
1: I mean, and this is, you know, this is the argument. This is the bull argument here. And I see this on my Twitter timeline all over the place that this is just a nasty flu. And that might be the case. Um, You know, we don't have a lot of data really outside of China. And we don't know how much we can believe coming out of China. So I think, you know, we're going to obviously know a lot more about this as the story continues to materialize over the next month and a half. The only issue that I have with people saying this is just the flu is that if you look at the mortality rates that are coming out of China, and now we're getting closer to 3%. Um, and you look at the mortality rate of the flu, normal flu, it's 0.1% versus two and a half to 3%. You could say this is 25 to 30 times more deadly than the normal flu. And that sounds scary. But Anne-Marie makes a good point. If you're, if you're healthy, you're younger, it's really the older people talking 70s, 80s that have health issues, that it seems like this is affecting and, and obviously and, and having those people... Um, more so than if you're healthy, so I, I, I'm I'm still of the of the opinion that this is a lot worse than the flu though.
3: And you know, here's here's something: if it if the mortality rate is higher that's coming out of China, and let's say that it is, we have to think about all right: is it going to be worse in areas where we don't have? global access to good health care, and our country has global access to good health care as it relates to things like flu, you know, and listen, it it certainly has a very much higher transmission rate than an ordinary flu. Yeah. And so there might be many more of us having it. The, the big question, I think, that's really roiling the markets, um, It's almost serendipity for market participants to use coronavirus to start unwinding a ton of carry trades. Currencies are absolutely incredible. The movement has been off the hook. You talked about being away and seeing how hard silver was hit and then made the great comment of, listen, stocks are stocks, and when you've got to liquidate... Everything becomes a stock you've got to liquidate. But on top of that, that's getting roiled in the overall futures and the currency futures affecting uh, the metals and all of the commodity spaces. So we really have a, a big there's a bigger thing moving right now. And what I find to be very interesting is that the same people who are really wailing on the Fed for being so bad about the management of interest rates are clamoring for lower rates at this juncture. It's almost like this tremendous double speak, And so I've been thinking about how to deal with that because it's sitting there. And the number one thing as a trader interacting with the market right now is that we've moved from a region of low volatility to high volatility. And that is going to mean how we um, engage with the market uh, needs to be very much more measured and realize that everything that we think ought to hold might not, and everything that might dip, might dip much harder, and so, you know, you either say, hey, I'm going to stand back or risk getting washed out with the tide, or I'm going to work a little bit more in the option space, and that really is something that I have focused on uh, quite a bit. In Friday, I went shopping. I saw Ooh, the big, what you buy? I, uh, I, I bought Crowd, I bought CrowdStrike. I bought... um, That's
1: good buy. It's even trading uh, up
3: in the pre-market,
1: Anne-Marie. So that's good. Yeah.
3: You know, the thing about... uh, I actually tweeted that so it wouldn't be some sort of, oh, and didn't you know that? So I did see quite a few things. I thought, all right, I'm going to look way to the left and I'm going to see where these monthly lows are. I'm going to see how they're holding on this edge. And I bought a deep-in-the-money call condor and so that means i i took the 50s uh long and sold the 55s and then i sold the 65s and the 70s and so what that does is make my exposure limited but then i have a pretty good upside also bounded but my downside you know i just have the debit so that's really how I think we ought to engage. Something deep in the money and limited risk. And guess what? If the support breaks, you step back and you go, wait a second, there's another leg down here. My thought is we're down here in, uh, you know, October lows. We have sept- uh, August lows and September lows just below that the market's going to try and stall out here and we're going to see people nibble but the problem is and this is the big thing i wanted to share with everyone what we have moving the markets in this age of algorithms and i'm not blaming algorithms i'm just pointing them out Mm -hmm. there are many more of us that are not position traders meaning we engage in momentum events and we get in when the momentum sits and we get out when the momentum fades. We're we are we're not holding a core position. And so when I look at, when I talk to hedge fund guys and I look at the markets, I see the core holdings in the SPX because everybody's building the index funds. And what they're doing is hedging with the futures market and then So they'll be long the SPX and short the ES when big moves come in, but they're not positioned in the ES. So they can sell, 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 collect all their alpha and then leave. And so what that's happening though, it's moving so hard so fast, it's causing ripple effects for the other folks that go, okay, here's my limit, here's my limit, here's my limit. And so it's drawing these markets down. So we have increased volatility because the lack of position traders in the market, because nobody's really positioned. You know, your long-term portfolio has a number of positions sitting in there. The people that are really roiling the markets now are not position holders, but the position holders are getting forced to liquidate part of their positions because it's falling down into their loss events and that is going to continue because we are now in increased volatility measures.
1: I mean, there's so many good points you're making here. And this these types of markets, like as a as a prop trader, and I'll just say, you know, pr- r- prop traders, like and any prop firm, is going to be doing a lot better in these type of markets. Because yes. my type of trading is inefficiency. I look at this last week, and I don't even think about my long-term portfolio going down what it did. I'm not that concerned about that. What I was concerned about was, oh my goodness, the opportunity cost I just missed. Because I used to see these, you know, these relationships that, you know, just get, completely ignored during times of you know panic and selling and that's where um, you have you know prop firms and respect the relationships of different things and different stocks and I talk about relationships all the time being able to extract the alpha from those inefficiencies. So when you see these wild moves, you know, even looking you know basic arbitrage where you're going to stocks against the you know the, the futures contract, you'll see that get out, and especially you know in after hours action you'll see you know whipsaw moves. So there's just a lot of opportunities for traders who, um, you know, are, are looking and in, in trading in efficiencies. But with going back to the markets, so these markets are exactly what we saw in 2008, 2009, 2010. So if you started trading in the last 10 years, so the listeners out there, you haven't seen this type of market. Yes, we got a little taste of it in December 2018, but we didn't see the VIX spike up to 45. Mm-hmm. And to put this in perspective, I just want to, you know, say to the traders out there too, during the financial crisis, the VIX got to 90.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: imagine the volatility that we're having today and, and over double it. That's what we were trading back in the financial crisis. That was crazy moves, yes. but it's crazy right now. And you're getting a taste of what it was like during the financial crisis. And the way to trade these markets is, if you're new to it, um, you know, and uh, options are a great way to go about it. If you wanna stick with stocks like I do, you get a little bit wider, you, and you do a little bit, um, you know, and you reduce your size a little bit That's because right. the moves are going to be so much bigger. So if you're used to, you know, coming in with a thousand shares or something and you're new to it, maybe you're going with only a couple hundred shares or a few hundred shares just to get a feel for trading these types of markets. Because if you come in and you've started trading the last seven eight years, you are in a new environment here right now. Even myself being on vacation for a week and going to come back into this, I'm going to have to have a feel day or two. I have the experience of trading through the tax you know, crash in 2000. I have the experience of trading through the financial crisis. So I will be able to navigate these markets better than the other person. But even that, it's been 10 years since I've traded this type of a market. And again, I was off in that last week. So I'll get a feel into this market. I won't just jump in head first. So I think that's what a lot of people do as mistakes, is they're jumping in here head first. Maybe the buy the dip, they're, they're, it's been a reward again and again and again. I'm just going to come in and buy the dip, buy the dip. It's going to work. It doesn't always have to work. It's worked in the last 10 years, but I tell you, if you were buying the dips in 2007, 2008, a lot of those people who just kept buying the dips eventually blew out their accounts because the markets ended up going down 70%. Absolutely. So you've gotta be careful with just flat out just coming in here, I'm gonna buy the dip. The way Anne-Marie's approaching with options, she's limiting her downside to protect her capital, but still you know, able to obviously give herself a position to profit in the event that we bounce.
3: Absolutely, and you know, here, here's the thing, everybody wants to participate, right? I just, um, I read something and and uh, I, I read all kinds of things, but this morning I read something from someone and he said, hey, we're coming into the, into the times of the market when every day is likely going to make a good year. And so that's, his reference was, listen, there could be a lot of moves. Now, what we want to do is, automatically go oh my gosh this is my shot i've got to participate the moves are so big but step back a minute and say wait a second what is the risk of engaging and engaging incorrectly when you've got massive moves and you do not have the feel that dennis is talking about you're going to lose a lot of money so you have two choices you can step back and watch for me I trade to eat, so the market is a buffet every day. And I cannot eat an elephant in one sitting. I'm going to have one plate. And so you can go in and every day take a small chunk out of the market. And if you have that approach, you will develop consistent motion. If you go in and say, here, I'm ready to bag my elephant, and you don't have the skill the mental fortitude, or the capital to manage the kinds of rocket moves that could come, you are going to blow your account out. And there's nothing wrong with watching. If a 20-year veteran like Dennis sits back and says, hey, I got to get a feel for what's going on, we really have to pay attention to that commentary. Anytime I'm away for more than five or six days, I've got Half a day to two days, where sure. I sit and just watch.
0: For sure, uh, Anne Marie, I want to get your thoughts here on. Uh, we're getting a couple people in the chat asking about CyberArk. You were on the show in December, said it's if yes. you're your picked for the year.
3: Yes, uh, has anything changed there? No, how I would still you, like it. How would you approach it here? Okay, so what it did was give us a beautiful fade. This is a fantastic fade. It's down near the November. Uh, it's actually above the November lows. And it's got a little bit of a bounce action sitting on it right now. And so my thought is any of the pullbacks into this 100 area, they're going to be good. I still like CyberArk. It's still my number one in the space. The reason I went to CrowdStrike instead was because it was holding so much stronger than CyberArk. And so I think a lot of people went into CyberArk and it's shaken out a number of uh, weak hands. And so I'm going to be looking to engage. Where would I engage? The 95 call. I would buy the deep in the money call. I would sell the 100 and then maybe I would uh, also sell the one. 15 to 120, um, and I would do it further out like May, something that would give me a little bit of room to jockey around in case it bounced right off of its edges and then we had some kind of volatility crush, right? That's the next big thing. If you're used to collecting premium and you're under a big vol spike like this, you're going to have trouble. And so let me give you the one last example that I want to talk about. Last week, I went into SPY and I said, all right, if we have a volatility spike, what we're going to have is this market's going to fade hard, but the volatility spike is still going to keep me up. So get this, I bought the SPY call spread, of 333 to 337 and then sold something on the bottom of that. I can't quite remember. I think it was 342 to 345 so that I could limit that. spread. Well, it fell totally out of the money, right? I paid 260, no, I paid 190 for it and it fell totally out of the money. The volatility, however, was so high that I still closed the call condor for a thirty percent credit.
1: That's insane.
3: Yeah. So every, watch every, selling the move.
1: The, the, the moves against you. The, 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 the literally it moves yeah, against you. Yeah. The price moves against goes me, so but high.
3: the yes. I was in. I was still green. Yeah, that's it unbelievable. Is insane. You know, Mary,
2: I just want to ask you real quick, because, sure. you know, like we got people in the chats and, you know, talking to the people on the street and they're like, you know, is the market going? When's the market going up? When the market's going down? And I, 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 you know, I kind of give the same answer every time. And, you know, it, it's impossible to predict that. But there has to be a scenario first where the market calms down. Right. Yes. And, you know, and right now I don't see that happening. So, you know, for me, the scenario, yeah, I hope, like hell, that low from Friday holds yeah i I hope we take out today 's high and close you know at thirty fifty, but in all likelihood, you don 't know what 's going to happen for me it 's just to calm down and yes. but and in my opinion, the market doesn 't like unknowns, and that 's all we have right now that's
3: is exactly right. oh, what 's going. So on
2: so you know technicals i mean i I, i'm hesitant to give any technical levels today because of the news and everything so for me the there's a big unknown out the market in the fed ain't gonna save us absolutely trump tweeting and that in the fed saying stuff that ain't gonna save you know what's gonna need that to me is we need the volatility to come down we need to take care of some of the unknowns what the unknowns are are the spread of the virus why it's happened, how to get a vaccine, how to cure it. What do you, you know, without trying to pick a top or bottom or give a level or this or that, what what are you looking for, you know, over the next week, two weeks, three weeks?
3: Okay, so that's really extremely valid. It is the uncertainty event. The uncertainty event really is, given this virus requires so much quarantining, how much is it going to affect our mass productivity, our global productivity. And then that is going to sort of seep into the market. And until we have these numbers, we're going to be swinging wildly. And so the big thing is, hey, take a look at the VIX. As long as it's sitting over 16, over 20, you're going to have giant spikes that fade and giant dips that hold. And so as a trader, you have to think about where do I want to engage or do I just want to sit back and watch it settle out? That's really the choice you have to make because, as Joel said, we are mm-hmm. under an incredible amount of unknowns. And this is why the market is so uncertain. We don't know what the Fed's going to do. We don't know how the, cur- the carry trades are just i mean the unwinding of what's going on in currencies it's insane i don't know if you guys have seen the dollar the dollar went from almost 100 back down to 97 in just a couple of days it's been incredible so as a trader you have to say wait what's my skill level be honest with yourself do i have a low skill level step back and say you know what? I'm going to use this to understand how market motion can whipsaw and then take the biggest time frames you can see and look for monthly lows and monthly closes and see where we are relative to those. And then, if you want to get next to something, get next to a monthly close and then go deep in the money and buy yourself a call or go really small with your size. And engage and when you see it coming to resistance, folks, get out. I do not believe we are going to see a V bottom here. I don't. The volatility is too high. Yeah. There are yep. too right. many uncertainties.
0: All right. Anne Marie Band is a trader. She's a technician. She's an author. and She runs the tradingbook.com. Anne Marie, as always,
1: thank you for coming on. Thanks for the
0: thanks interview.
3: for having me, fellas. Good luck right. lo- with you, you today. Anne Marie, I'll talk care. to you
2: real soon. All right. Take care. Bye bye.
1: So many good points Anne-Marie is making, and I'll even take it one step further with what she just said. Um, There's a lot of traders have been trading for 10 years, and they think I just know the markets. I've been profitable every year. I've been doing well. This is a different animal. There is trade. This is a new learning curve for even you 10-year veterans out there. Like I said, you know, even with me, I have to adjust and try to remember how the trading was in 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, You know, Eventually, I just, because I've done it before, I do have a skill set in there, but it's been a long time for me. But if you have just started trading and your first year was 2010, you think you're gonna rock this out in 2020, maybe get lucky last week, but really, this is a whole new environment for you to learn how to trade in again, Um, because you haven't seen VIX at 45 or 48. You haven't traded in this type of environments. Um, So um, for the newer traders who started in the last 10 years, Take caution in these markets. Don't just come in here and say, well, buy the dip always works. It's gonna work here again. I'm just gonna buy, close my eyes. And I know when I look a month from now, the market's gonna be higher. There was a lot of people that said that in 2007 and 2008. And we saw you know, at the beginning of the financial crisis where it looked like, okay, maybe they're gonna be right. And then you look a year later and they were very, very wrong. And a lot of people lost a lot of money. So just because we're down 10 or 12% doesn't mean we're gonna come right back. We might. This might just be you know, like a SARS event, it might just be like, MRSA. we might get the thing contained. There's a lot of unknowns here, but don't gamble all your money or get on margin here and say, I know it's coming back because it always comes back. Be cautious because there is the chance that this is not going to come back. And I will say, when I bought my portfolio insurance back um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago when I was telling everybody that insurance is cheap, you know, when the VIX was 12 and we had all these, you know, indications that this was going to be a big issue coming from China. When I bought my 333 puts for 10 bucks on out to June, I bought that with not thinking that we could pull back 10%. I bought that because I thought there was a possibility we could pull back 40 to 50% that this was setting up like a potential. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I bought that insurance just in case that happened. That scenario is still potentially on the table. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Don't go saying, quoting, oh, says the markets are going to fall 50%. I'm saying I have insurance just in case it does. Don't think it can't. That's all I'm saying is don't think it can't. And I'll tell you the two scenarios right now that are really on the table here. So if you're coming in and buying in here this morning, down the market's down 12%, you're basically banking on somewhat containment of vaccines happening a lot quicker than, you know, a lot of people say it can happen. Uh, Because if this thing does spread, you know, as as much as, you know, uh, the the common flu or more than the common flu, and it does not get contained, some of these estimates coming out of like Harvard studies, and obviously we've seen a lot of, you know, experts coming in that this could be, you know, a serious thing where you could see a hundred million people in in the U.S get coronavirus, get, get COVID-19. If the death rate is two to 3%, you're talking two to 3 million dead people. I mean, where are the markets then? And I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm saying this is scenario analysis here right now. So you need to be prepared and, and just say that there is the potential that this market could go a lot lower not saying it's going to. I hope it doesn't. I hope they get a contain. I hope they get a vaccine. I hope the death rate is really less than 1%. We don't really know. With numbers coming out of China, we know we can half believe them. The numbers out of Iran are horrible so far. But again, their healthcare system isn't as good as in the US. Italy will be an interesting country to watch. They're getting a lot of cases. But I do believe in the US that we have a lot more cases than we see right now. And, you know, I watch Scott Gottlieb on CNBC. I follow him. Obviously, he knows, you know, we're talking to the doctor who's, you know, knows a lot about this. And he believes there's potentially thousands of cases that are undiagnosed out there in the U.S. right now. It makes sense. The math makes sense that that could be the case. So what happens is if it just continues to spread and we don't get it contained, people will be scared to go outside eventually. Like we're looking at a month and, you know, it's not about people not going on a cruise. They'll be scared to go out into the grocery store. So this could happen. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm saying it, ha- it potentially could happen. And that's why I'm not just going all in. You know, you got Trump, you know, uh, saying, or, or Trump's son there, you know, on Twitter saying yesterday, oh, I'd go all in here if I could. <laughs> I mean, this is, that's terrible advice. Terrible advice right now. Let me, uh, You might let be me. right, Joel, you might be right, but if you're I, wrong, I, you're going to get hurt really bad. And we just have so, so many unknowns, like Joel was saying. So many unknowns. I'm gonna let you go here, Joel. I'm not to, yeah, to talk. Sure, no, all that's week, okay. no, that's I wanted fine. to go on a rant here for a few <laughs> minutes, but I, I'm just I, saying, I, I need if they break. don't get this contain, it could get a lot uglier.
2: A couple, couple different scenarios here. You know, one is the vaccine, right, or a cure, whatever. There's still been some kind of economic impact already right? And I think that that's going to be reflected in Q2, okay? So, I'm not, I'm not ruling out, you know, Q3 or Q4 or whatever, but there is an economic impact from what's going on right now. And it's not going to be, you know, even if things are, you know, diagnosed or cure a vaccine, uh, if that ha- even that happens right away, there is going to be some kind of impact here. So, at least through Q2, uh, caution. Second of all, one thing that we are on this show is overhead supply. And so if y'all are thinking that we're going right back to all time highs and immediately and turning on a dime, maybe we will. But there's gonna be a lot of sell orders out there. There's, there's a long, lot of people burned right now who are there's buying. There's a lot of people that down. are burned. There first of all, there's long term people that are like, okay, you know, I didn't do something, and but the next rally I'm going to. Okay. Then there's all these intermediate, and Anne-Marie, one of the greatest points ever made on this show. There's just not, you know, these non-position holders, you know, these guys that are trading big cash against the Spoo's and stuff, they care less, you know, they just wait for their parameters, and they're they're not even acting instinctively. They're acting automatically, right? Who was selling the Spoo's over 3,000 today? You know, maybe some people that had You know, some scalps on. So, you know, overhead supply. I mean, there's a lot now, and there's probably still people sitting with their sell orders saying, I'm waiting for the bounce. You can wait a long time for a bounce. You can wait, you know, two weeks, three weeks, six months, a year, two years. So that's, you know, overhead supply. So that's one thing that, you know, I want to be cautioned about. You know, if people think that we're just going right back up. There's just, there's a lot of institutional sell orders there. There's still people. And also, even at this level, some people are sitting down. You're still sitting on some monster profits in some stocks, right? Oh All right. Monster. You bought, yeah. Monster. Monster. And before you said, oh, I don't want to take it off because of paying the tax. Well, there's going to be a That's point. why I did spy puts. Yes. You know, yep. I've got, I've got
1: mass. I'm up 2000% of MasterCard. I'm like, I'm not going to sell that, you know, because I they think we're going to correct 20% and then I'll have to pay a huge tax bill on it. I just, you know you get a little bit of a hedge and obviously I didn't hedge everything. I talked about that from the portfolio perspective. I didn't go a hundred percent. I went where I was comfortable. I, you know, hedged myself to a certain point where I was like, okay, I'd be comfortable. If we lost, if, if, you know, what I have exposed, if I lost half of that, I said to myself, I'm still comfortable. And that's where I reduced my exposure to where I was comfortable. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, if you're 25 years old, you're not worried about it. I'm 43 here now. I've worked really hard to get the wealth that I do have. And I know if I'm smart about it, that I'm pretty much set for the rest of my life. I made all of my wealth in trading and I'm sitting pretty good as long as I'm not dumb about it. So, you know, I've been to a position where I had the majority of my money in stocks. You know, I have for the last 10 years. I raised a lot of cash over the, you know, we've talked about on the show, I was selling stocks, selling stocks and wrong. I mean, I, I was wrong for like two weeks. That's the other thing to got me. Two people. weeks, it oh, went straight okay. up in my yep. face. And I was like, man, I'm regretting selling all this stuff. I sold SPY at three. I had a long-term, some SPY in the ETF. I sold like 328 and it went to 338. And I'm like, man, that was stupid. I'm like, I'm like questioning. I'm like, I, I just don't see how it doesn't eventually start selling off though. Like, I don't get it. I couldn't understand the two weeks of the wicked rally. But, you know, eventually logic made sense that, you know, this was the time to start raising cash. I didn't time it perfectly. Perfect timing would have been to sell last Friday. But I sold a lot of stuff and I talked about that and I bought that spy insurance. And the spy insurance is helping my portfolio to hold up. So and you know, that's it was cheap. And I went out and I, I my first leg, I went in only February. I didn't go long enough. So that's why I was like, I'm going way out. And I went way out to June. And that's why, you know. I went out that far because my timing was off, and I had some LUV puts. Those expired because I didn't go out far enough. Those would have been huge money. You had them too, Joel. Yep. I had fifty. I had the fifty-five puts for Feb twenty for Feb twenty-one. Yep. I mean, I missed it by a week. Yep. If I would, I could have probably went out. You know, an extra week or two when I bought those for an extra twenty cents, I made ten points. Timing. Timing. The June ones were good though, and I got lucky with my spy puts because I had some Feb twenty-four expiring. And we, it's just, we had the Feb 24 went down. I had those, those were worth a nickel. When I left on the Friday, those were trading at 12 cents. When I, when I, I I covered them in on and from Jamaica for three bucks. So I basically got all the money that I paid back. So I salvaged those spy puts being, the timing was terrible on them though. I mean, I just got lucky because I had one extra day on it, but you know, if I would have had an extra week on it, I would have raked in on those. And obviously on the June I did because I had, you know, I had, those but overall don't kid yourself i'm still losing money on my long-term portfolio even though it has a hedge on it's just a matter of i've hedged myself enough to be comfortable in case this thing really got ugly i don't know it's not going to continue to be ugly so i'm not lifting the hedge yet
2: should we cover some individual any individual stocks here i I I mean i know i folks i hope you're enjoying discussion we're just trying to give you informed information um Dennis, we've talked about it a lot. Do you want to go into some individual issues? I, I mean, mean, the
1: one stock that I do want to own right now is Gilead. And I, that's where I wanted to go here next. Oh, so give us the news. Yeah, so Gilead actually does have news this morning. In addition to being a, a major
0: coronavirus play, potentially the biggest coronavirus play, yep. they're also acquiring 47. at ticker is FTSV, uh, Foxtrot Tango. Um, Simon Victor, I forget what the S stands for. Uh, ninety-five fifty a share in cash is what they're buying FTSV for. So Gilead making a big acquisition this morning. It, it's a it's a cancer uh, cancer drug. Was product. that
1: rumored on Friday? Because holy mackerel, what a move ahead of that. Was <laughs> it rumored? Maybe it was. I wasn't not here on Friday, but it went up from fifty-eight to sixty-five dollars on Friday, and then it gets taken over for ninety-five fifty that's that's so, the that's the logical explanation is, I, I mean it yeah. must have been rumored i'm gonna say it was rumored or somebody knew you know, like somebody obviously somebody knew about it but maybe you hope it was rumored because that's a wicked move ahead of it now it goes off the board 95 five fifty. it was rumored as early as thursday afternoon okay there you go so buy on rumor buy on, and you, you made it on the news here so the rumors <laughs> yeah. were true they came to fruition congratulations those who bought that rumor uh, the stock ripped I higher I don't
2: there. think anybody's gonna be coming out for another buck fourteen. You know what I mean? It's trading at ninety three, eighty. Yeah,
1: that's just time value money coming in here.
2: Um right. okay. Gilead, I mean it's a nice pullback if you want to own this thing. and I I just gotta say hats off to the to that corporation. I mean doing an acquisition in this market environment. I mean yeah. those people are they got some big some ones. Guts there yeah so uh, hats off nice not cool a huge hat. deal for them 4.7 no. no. billion compared to what gillian
1: has got like an 80 billion dollar market cap but it's a it's a big deal it's not it's not like a, a huge huge deal for them though
2: okay what stock that i thought an activist was going to get involved about you know three years ago uh was twitter uh, but we do have, uh, uh, we do have. Yeah,
1: we'll talk that just before you go. I just want to talk Gilead just for sure. a second here because I actually tried to buy this on the pullback this morning. It shows how dumb the news algorithms are. Um, they they started hammering this because, oh, it's paying a premium. You got to sell it down. It went down to the sixty low 68s. And I was trying. It never really got off. Like I actually, it's so bad on me. I was just getting to my desk. And I'm like, oh man, I'm trying to get you know informed here. And this was like at 655, I think they announced this this morning. And I'm trying to get, okay, are they doing a deal? I was like, it's a small deal. I was like, okay, I want to buy this pullback. And I tried, I went high bid. I was high bid, 68 and a half, 68.60. It was 69 and a half. I didn't want to pay up to 69 and a half. I should have because it's seventy thirty here now. But if we get a pullback in this, this is one I do want to own because one, it's got a dividend. Two, it's kind of defensive. Three, if, if there's going to be a vaccine, this company might have the best chance to, to get there first. So I think this is a COVID play. I think this is a nice dividend. The PE is not crazy. I don't see, even if they don't come out with I don't see a huge amount of downside here. You know, maybe low 60s, but I don't see this thing collapsing down to 40 or 50 bucks. I like the stock. I like the stock not only for a trade as a longer term investment right now too. Okay, so GILD, they don't have the growth, but the COVID is the wild card here. So it's like a call option you're getting on the thing. I like Gilead, even at this price of $70 and 30 cents. I'm hoping I can get it a little bit cheaper. Uh, but uh, I'm ready to strike here. I like Iliad.
2: They don't hit bids when something's going up, Dennis. Well it was going down at the time. Okay. <laughs> so they were
1: selling. I was like, please somebody
2: one more person
1: hit the bid. <laughs> They didn't
2: hit the bid. Maybe you needed Kenny Glick in there to hit the
1: Yeah, bin. they needed uh, 68.22.
2: Uh, that was your pre market low. You bounced up at 70.20. News I mean, goes dead wrong on that. Yep. That was all algorithms just selling, automatically sell
1: when the acquire, because we've talked about it before, but then I weren't considering the COVID play of it. And that this stock actually can rally up, and it's probably going to be underneath demand for this because of the COVID stuff. That's why it's back in the green.
2: You know what I talked about the market calming down, and I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing things, but I kind of feel like it's calming down a little bit. Maybe it's just people jockeying positions before this morning. It is. Open. Yeah, yeah. There's a little.
1: You're thickening it's not up we like get closer we to the open to here, show here
2: too. Friday, yeah. I mean, I don't even want to quote the S and P's here, but it, I, I mean, we're we're firming up here a little bit, at least at this point. Uh, holding a pre-market low, 28.89. i tell you, one of my strategies is uh, selling, you know, a break of the pre-market low or break above the pre-market high. I ain't, if we get down, I ain't selling that. I ain't selling that pre market low no matter what. I just, there's just too much. I just think people, also, people that think they missed it. Oh, I should have bought 2,900. Well, now I'm going to buy 2,900. There's a lot
1: of people that think they missed it right now. Yep. I agree with Anne Marie. I don't think you have missed it. That's why I'm not buying any yep. Gilead. would buy for my long term portfolio right now, but that's a different story. I think it does well even in an environment where the market starts to go down. I think it holds up, but I, I'm not coming here and backing up the truck and buying stocks. And you know what? We're going to get some rip-your-face-off rallies. It was some of the biggest rallies that we had in the financial crisis. Some of the biggest up days. So just like we say, up like an escalator, down like an elevator, in a bear market, it's the opposite. It's often, and I know in the last four days it has been that way, but when you're just getting hit, 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 you'll see these wicked short-squeeze rallies. And they're even more wicked than the sell-off sometimes So because you have squeeze on top of it. So people are scrambling for cover. So you will see some wicked rallies in there. A lot of those end up being suckers rallies in the financial crisis. They could be, you know, we saw it overnight. I mean, what a wicked squeeze overnight here, Joel. We got down, we opened near the lows, obviously concerns over what's going on in Washington State, new first case in the NYC, first death over the weekend in the U.S. Um, and they sold, you know, they opened the, the S&Ps down, what, a, a two, down about 60 handles. Uh. and.
2: Depends on yeah, from Depends that, on where you're looking at the clothes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I told you last night. That I just wanted you to get in order of what you know, what what actually happened, and, how and we didn't much. talk
1: about that Friday action, like yeah, the, the, and I wasn't here, but wicked, wicked Friday. You know, in the last 15 minutes, we rallied basically, you know, 100 handles on the yeah. on the S and P, and then, then after hours, we were trained 298.
2: Yeah. Yeah, wicked,
1: it, wicked rally. With
2: uh, yeah, with uh, you know, like we go spy versus spoo and whatever, and, and the spy traded until eight o'clock. But I mean, let me let me just give you this bar here. Um, at four o'clock when stocks closed, we were twenty nine sixty three seventy five. I don't know how they came up with this twenty nine fifty one close. I don't know how the hell they came up with that because I see a twenty one twenty nine seventy one. Oh, maybe a month end. Uh, Oh, that might have been it, Dennis. Like, month-end closes, don't they, aren't those a little bit different?
1: I wasn't here to analyze. I know. The, I'm just looking at it from yeah. the chart perspective here, so I can't tell you I wasn't in the middle of it. Okay. But what I can tell you is SPY was trading up. And I, I, I'm a big fan of the SPY because it's a pure vehicle. Correct. It's just trading all the time. So I don't even look at the S&P futures except overnight when the SPY is not trading. Once the SPY is open, you've got a really good feel. You know, obviously the dividend days you've got to take out into consideration. It's the only time you have to adjust on SPY. Yep. But, you know, from 8 to you know 4 in the morning until 8, you've got the SPY market. That'll give it to you. But I know SPY after hours on Friday's trade up to 298 299 So it got really crazy. So And people who are writing puts, like and there's a lot of people that write puts and with 10, 20 minutes to go out of the money would have got spanked, man. Because that was a wicked rally. That you no, know, like like Spinner was saying in the chat, the spy calls. I don't know which prices, but I'm sure like the 295 were going for like two, three cents, a nickel. They went you know up to three bucks. So you got to be very careful. Just flat out writing puts in this wicked environment. Writing puts you right, think you're uh, safe? Yeah, there, you think you're safe and you think it's way out of the money. And all of a sudden, you know, you get some, you know, move, it can just go. Like I I was always, when we were in the financial crisis, I would be like looking at nickel options and saying, could we turn here? Because if we turn, those nickel options could really explode. I mean, there's a play on that when, you know, you get, you know, 5, 10, 20 minutes to go. And don't forget, you get the after hours action too. So many people don't realize that, you know, you can have the after hours action as well because IB is 440 now. They allow you to execute TEL. So, you know, you see that 298. You could be getting executed you know, on those uh, put, uh, those puts. That may have, It's theoretically – We just
2: went green, Dennis. We just went green. Just a big burst here. Through the we're, we're just uh, – yeah. And we're going to – Jack Welch is dead. I
1: didn't notice. Yeah. I just looked yeah. up CNBC. Yeah, they broke, broke about 20 minutes ago. Oh, that's too bad. Jack
0: Welch, yeah. awesome. So that's too bad. But okay. I, I didn't know how to interrupt you and tell you that. So sorry. I just looked up at the CNBC
1: screen, and they're saying Jack yeah. Welch dead at 84. Yep. So we love Jack Welch. He was awesome. Obviously did a lot for General Electric over the years that he was there. Um, so you know, just a, just a great person. And, you know, obviously it's given a lot of market commentary since then as well. Um, very disappointed to lose him, but I don't know this market's gets volatile. So, you know, you, you, it's going to be headline driven for a while and it's hard to trade something technically when there's so many headlines. Yes. During the day, it's not going to be as many headlines, but there is, there's breaking headlines all the time. And this market has a lot of headline risk here right now. So if you're just saying, oh, this is a sweet setup on the charts. Charts don't matter as much when you're in a headline driven environment. It's the headlines that matter because all of a sudden you get a new case or you get new deaths or you get a new, you know, something, you know, a whole pile of cases going up. Stocks are probably going to go down no matter what the chart looks like. It'll give you levels to where it's going to, but to predict the next move from this point to that point, um, it's hard to do just technically. That's why I always say technicals are one tool in your toolbox. It's a tool, it's not even my biggest tool, it's a tool that I use but I am not a chartist. What? I am an inf- inefficiency trader I had and to a headline trader. I, had now, to I to love say,
2: headlines and this is a headline trading we were environment. Calming down. I had to say we were calming down. <laughs> that didn't, that didn't yeah, last. Yeah, now time.
1: we just exploded.
2: All right, let's let's cover two more stocks, and then we'll let right. everyone get on their merry way. So,
0: speaking of GE, let's just stick there. Uh, speaking of Jack Welch, yeah, and sure. And we'll stick with GE here. They're getting a big upgrade this morning. We've talked about, uh, in our opinion, the two analysts who we think are most influential uh, on the stock is John Inch at Gordon Haskett and Stephen Tusa from J.P. Morgan. Well, Stephen Tusa is upgrading GE this morning to neutral raising his price target to $8. He's throwing
1: in the towel on his bear case for now. Uh, I'm surprised when I 11 bucks, I actually have long it right now, just as a trade, because I feel like this is a stock that if the market goes green, this stock could really go green because we've had two bears Tusa and obviously John inch, and those have been the, the guys that you know I've been saying and I'm watching what they do. So we went one to neutral. I, I'm very surprised G is not up more than this. So full disclosure, I'm long it right now. I'm talking my book here a little bit. I will trade out of this
2: eventually, but I'm surprised not up more. Ah, uh, boom, boom. Let's just, wow, this had, uh, man, all this stuff is so off because of that last, you know, that last activity. I mean, we, we settled the buck off the low. Uh, the number of the day would be 1119. I'd keep an eye on that. That was Friday's high. Everyone had scooped it up. I mean, I'm sure there had to be like, Unbelievable institutional bids at $10 since we hadn't been there in quite some time. So get some follow through through 1119. Keep the spooze going in your direction. I give you another target of 1154. That was your three days high. And if you happen to see 12 bucks, just if you happen to see it, a pair of highs from Monday and Tuesday, 12 even 1205. I'm
1: surprised. Uh, Aren't you surprised? Let's stop only 11 cents on this. Yes, market flat. I'm very yep. surprised, but anyway, this massive seller at 11, just iceberg, not moving. So I think there's been a lot of people that bought it, including myself. It's not moving, so you know this is obviously a stock that I feel like should be higher, but we'll see. Hey, Luke,
2: do we got anything out there at all?
1: Because we're, we're really ripping. That's up. short-term trading too. I was talking about. <sighs> and
0: I I want to go to Twitter here. Also, uh, Paul Singer from Elliott Management is seeking to replace Jack Dorsey. He has taken the approximately a billion dollar stake in Twitter and has nominated four directors to the board uh, when they convene later this year. So uh, Elliott Management uh, seeking to shake up Twitter and and potentially uh, replace Jack Dorsey.
1: This is this broke late Friday night. Stock obviously ripped and then after hours it really ripped. So we kind of have, you know, a feel for it because it traded all Friday night on this. 3570, 35 is trading happily in the 35 handle here. It's a nice lift. It's a stock that I, I still want to own. I sold it before the report. It's come all the way back down. It's actually, when it closed, it was below where I sold it. But just, I don't know. I, I'm scared to, you know, really buy anything with a high PE right now. Twitter, I still like this company. I think it's probably, um, I, I, I just don't want to buy stocks right now. Okay. Not in the long-term portfolio. All
2: right. Yeah, you got to pop right up to thirty-seven on the headline number, so we'll use that as a target. Already getting back, all, you know, half of those losses from uh, we had what an eight-point down move, thirty-four and a half. So I don't know gap into a gap area, um, thirty-four and a half. I'll call that minor support, and uh, I'll call that pre-market high. Pretty good resistance at uh, thirty-seven. Uh, you do have a big old gap between 37. Where's that gap at here? So many gaps in these charts. Uh, you had a low on one day at 3,804. So you're, you're gapping up to 3,804. I mean, total error in this stock. But uh, let's see what happens at the pre-market high. I just want to address something.
1: And I've seen this. And even when I tweet something, everybody wants to just quick call you if, you know, if you're fear-mongering. You're fear-mongering here. Um, I just did a whole hour show and I don't think I'm here like touting the end of the world and we're all going to, you know, a zombie apocalypse is coming. What we're trying to do is inform. And even when I'm tweeting and giving the stats, there's so many people that say this is the normal flu. And if I go on Twitter and I say this is not the normal flu, they say I'm fearmongering. And, you know, Jim Kramer's saying the same thing. Obviously, he gets it 100 times more than I do because everybody knows him a lot more than me. But, you know, it's amazing when you tweet something and people just want to fight you on Twitter. It's almost like it's so toxic. Like you, you tweet something and, you know, and a lot of the people are great on Twitter, but this, this seems like the crowd that just wants to fight with everyone and they want to argue the death. And, it, and I, I rarely engage with anyone on it because it's just, first of all, not worth the time. Secondly, it's just, you know, it's going to upset you and cloud your own stuff. But I mean, if people are talking about, you know, different, you know, cases and they're looking at the, 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 the death rates and the fatality rates, it's, it's information, it's important information to consider as a trader, uh, as an investor as well. I think, you know, you've got to consider all of that stuff. And I mean, if you were considering all that stuff three weeks ago, you wouldn't be down 12% right now, or, you know, you might be uh, uh, in a little more cash than you were. So I think, you know, just people coming on and say, you can't say anything negative here. Stop spreading bad rumors. I mean, it isn't the, the, the case. We're, we're here to try to inform on the information that we currently have. And, and it's mostly unknown. So there's going to be opinions on both sides of this because we don't know how this story ends. Nobody knows how this story ends. Um, you know, you, you think you might know how the story ends and maybe it all ends in happy and nobody dies. But in all likelihood, there's going to be more deaths. There's going to be more cases. It's a matter of how many more cases and how many more deaths is probably going to dictate the direction of the market. And we don't know if this is going to, you know, spread out or if this is going to get contained. That's still, you know, the evidence is showing it's not going to get contained. And that's why I'm not lifting my spy hedge right now with the, with the options. But at the same time, You don't know that for sure. And that's why I still have some exposure to the long side as well. I hope we come back. I hope we come all the way back. I lost money last week in my long-term portfolio. I don't like losing money in the long-term portfolio. I lost less because of my hedges. But, and I love the trading environment. I love this aspect of it, the volatility. I'm, you know, I I love being able to trade volatile markets, but it's not fear-mongering just because, you know, you talk about, you know, fatality rates being higher than the flu. It's a fact. It's
0: impossible to, so... You, you you can't win because either you talk about it and you're fear fear-monger, mongering, or you don't talk about it and you're ignoring. Uh, oh, Spencer, uh, you you're can't win today. Oh, I've i been here the whole time.
1: Spencer is real. He's been, been hiding the
0: back. <laughs> yeah, I just
2: want <laughs> you to know, and Spencer did a great job last week, Dennis, and. Uh, not everyone in the chat's appreciated it, but a total uh, oh, stop. No, always
1: does a great job. Joel, okay.
2: stop. Okay, did a fantastic job. All right, uh, moving. He's going, I'm giving him a raise to like nine bucks an hour. Great. Well, I hope <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> I I hope you got inflation.
0: I I hope you got a good chunk of it out of your system today. Obviously, there's more to discuss later on in the week uh if you uh, missed any part of our show today or any previous show you can always catch our podcast Uh, it's available on itunes soundcloud stitcher TuneIn, or spotify or just rewatch our show on youtube.com slash benzinga tv thanks to our guest today and marie band and thanks to everyone in our chats on premarket.benzinga.com and on youtube you can uh always give us a call 734-494-0246 or email us Premarket at Benzinga.com. Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for listing yeah. or trading advice. I think that'll be a wrap on the show, unless anyone has any final thoughts. I don't think so. Everyone just, has. I just want to say
1: before I go, the, that, that list that you gave us, Spencer, of the coronavirus stocks, and I don't know if you talked about that list last I, week, but that list. Was an pick. unbelievable list. Like Spencer and the Benzinga team put this list together that we talked about for Red the last too. three weeks. Yep. Yep. Um, APTs, like bring up these charts. APT, and obviously, you know, they topped out Friday. I mean, it feels like that was the top of all of these stocks because they just got silly. But yeah. you gave us APT of five bucks, it went to 40. Um, you know, and this was the Benzinga team that got this list because I didn't know all these stocks. And they obviously got it from different places, but they put it together sure. and we gave this list on the show. VIR went from like $17 to $70. Um, and this was the list that you, you know, gave me there. CBLI, another one there. It didn't move up as much. I'm just bringing it up now, but INO was another one. It moved up somewhat. NNVC, um, that one didn't come. uh, So there's a few that, you know, went a little bit, but a couple of those really went. NVAX you gave us. Or um, the Benzinga yeah. team gave us. That went from 8 to over 18. CRT. LAKE, yeah. we, a lot of people knew about that one. I knew about that one as well, but you guys gave us that as well. CODX that one went from big. $12 At least to that one I did participate in. I'm still participating in to a certain extent, although I've sold most of it now. Glad yeah. I did because it's really coming back down. But from 12 to 28. I mean, great job, Benzinga team, you know, compiling that list. Some of them, like I said, didn't go, but most of them didn't go down. Some of them just didn't go. Like CODX, too, another one. Yeah. 5 to 20. So the, the list that you gave me on that show that day was APT, let's go through them. BCRX, okay. yep. that one went a little bit. CBLI went, went somewhat too. CODX really went. Mm-hmm. INO, it didn't really move much. LIKE really went. NNVC had its early moves, started to come back, but didn't go. NVAX really went. VIR, that was just an insane one. I wish I would have had that one. And AEMD, it went a little bit.
0: And there are a few more. The list has only
1: gotten bigger, right? Well, so, uh, yeah, but that's the list when I left. So you probably added some more stocks. So, I mean, you can, and then you can go to the Gilead's and you can go obviously the ones that are working on the back scene. But right. wow, um, great, great work dispensing a team. I just want to say that.
0: All right, uh, on that note, everyone have a good rest of your day.
3: Good luck out there. We'll be back with you on Tuesday.